Genesis chapter 2. And um, <clears throat> this week feels like it has been just a fast and furious week. But it's been a good week. And uh, we had a very good prayer revival again. And I thank the Lord uh, for, for that. And I uh, felt liberty in prayer. Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, and even other times throughout the week, um, just while I was praying, and I'm I'm certain you had the same uh, sort of of thing to happen, and um, and the Lord, it's it's a blessing to be able to pray, and um, good to have our guest here with us today, and uh, Mr. Chandler, I'm gonna quit calling you a guest. He's been here for the last several weeks, and I thank the Lord for that. And um, good to have Brother Joseph Thompson from uh, from uh, Louisiana. And um, y'all adopt him. He's working out of town. He's a young man. And uh, I asked him this morning, is he, is he homesick? He said, not really, but, but maybe so. And uh, but we're glad he's here, and uh, y'all get connected up with him. He's going to be working here in the area for the next. We, we're not sure how long, but you could imagine what it would be like if you were several hundred miles from your home. And um, so let's let's just good to have him, and uh, good to have the fears with us today, and uh, good to have Lamar Calloway uh, here with us today, and good to have. Harrison, Pam, I'm going to quit calling you a guest as well. And uh, just good to have her here uh, with us today. And uh, I want to direct your attention uh, to verse 11 of Exodus chapter 2. The Bible says there, And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, went out into his brethren and looked on their burdens and he spied an Egyptian smiting an Hebrew one of his brethren and he looked this way and that way and when he saw that there was no man he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sand and when he went out the second day behold two men of the Hebrews they strove together he said to him that did the wrong, Wherefore smitest thou thy fellow? And he said, Who made thee a prince and a judge over us? Intendest thou to kill me as thou killedst the Egyptian? And Moses feared and said, Surely this thing is known. Now when, hate, when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian and he sat down by a well. And I want to preach to you this morning. It may be a slow-moving sermon, which is good. Um, but I want to preach to you this morning about the wilderness that every man has to go to the wilderness that every man has to go to let's ask the Lord to touch his word here this morning Lord I am 
I'm grateful again. I'm thankful, Lord, for the praise and the liberty, the prayer. Thankful, Lord, for the lesson Brother Wells taught. And I pray, Lord, now, God, that everything in this, this is a worship service. And Lord, this preaching is worship as well. And I ask you, Lord, that you would let, Lord, this word have free course. And that God, that somehow, Lord, that would minister, Lord, to a variety of people, Lord, that's here in this sanctuary. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I um, have enjoyed riding bicycles for quite a number of years in my life. And I remember growing up uh, that Mark and I, uh, my parents, I guess, always made sure we had bicycles. And uh, down at the end of the road where most of my years were spent growing up was a huge sand pit. And um, it was posted and had no trespassing signs. Uh, but I guess when you're a kid growing up out in what we called the country then, it's not country now, it's out Fortner Street, and now there's so many advancements that's made out there. But uh, kids that grow up in the woods, they just kind of have a tendency to look at those posted no trespassing signs, and they may or may not know what it means, but uh, this sand pit was posted. And um, we, would, we would get on our bicycles and, and uh, we would ride down that steep hill and uh, down into the bottom of that sand pit. It was quite an experience. And uh, one day my brother, Mark, six years younger than I am, uh, got on his bike and started down, and I can still see it to this day, and somehow about halfway down, that bike started flipping end over end, and Mark's going in one direction, his bike's going in the other direction, and for some reason, my mother was there watching all that with Ms. Rains, and, and I thought it was pretty cool, uh, but they didn't. They thought, you know, cloud of dust and all that, and uh, Mark ended up being fine. And then as we got older, we got, at those times, 12 speeds. And uh, during the daytime, this would have been in the early 80s, Mark and I would uh, get out and we'd ride those bikes, and uh, we would ride all over creation, those old country roads out Fortner Street, Bay Springs and those areas and be gone for hours on end, no smartphones, no, my mother and dad had no clue where we were at. It was a different day, and uh, sometimes I think we miss things from that, and then as time has continued, I I still enjoy riding uh, bikes, don't ride them as fast, um, nor... Uh, Certainly not as adventuresome as we do in the past, but I still enjoy riding a good bicycle. 
And uh, there's, a, there's a place, it's called Banff, Canada. It's just a few miles north, 30 miles or so north of our northern border. And there are people that go up there varying times of the year, and they uh, will take what they're calling now gravel bikes, which is basically a mountain bike, and they'll start in Banff, Canada, and they can ride down the Continental Divide basically in, in a wilderness area. And uh, those bicycles are pretty high-end bicycles. Some of them are five, six, seven, eight thousand dollars and and uh, it's it's really interesting. They pack uh, their tents, they pack their food, various things, and they ride down the Continental Divide and some of them start up at the Canadian border and ride all the way down to the Mexican border. And uh, 3,000 miles or so, and occasionally pass through towns. But these people, they go to the wilderness by choice. It's something that they planned out and mapped out that they say, this is uh, where I'm going because I have uh, determined that I'm going uh, to be there in that, that wilderness. Camp out at night. Uh, sometimes if they start early, it'll take them three or four months to ride those several thousand miles on bicycles, camping out at night. Sometimes they are having to endure snowstorms, and uh, but a lot of times it's it's just desert, rocky places as they ride through those particular places. Again, they're going there by choice story that I read to you here this morning in Exodus chapter 2 is I, I think probably a familiar story to most of you and, and uh, we know that Moses ends up going into uh, the wilderness but it was not because he chose to do so. He would end up spending 40 years of his life locked down in that uh, wilderness there, and and I've come to realize that that there are people that they spend their lives trying to avoid uh, wilderness places that the Lord wants to send them to, because there are are lessons that only the wilderness can can teach you at uh, that particular place. God uses some of the most incredible classrooms and schoolyards at times to develop things in our lives. Joseph, a pit, a prison before he finally got to what some call uh, the pinnacle. You look at the life of David, the country years, the cave years, and then uh, the court years that are in his life, and then Elisha and brother uh, Fraser so well preached that that our men's conference about Gilgal and about about Bethel and about Jericho and about Jordan and about how that that those are places where that he had to visit. Why did he have to visit that particular place? Because it was God's timetable for him. Uh, to get there because in God's sovereignty, what does God do? God creates places in our lives that he wants us to learn things. 
And I know that there's times where that, that just frankly, and, and I think that if you're honest with yourselves, that all of us probably have been uh, at a place where that we bucked and we fought against the wilderness that we found ourselves being dropped into. But oh, the blessings that comes out of those classrooms that sometimes we did not choose. These verses here, verses 11 and 12, and I'm going to, uh, you're interested, maybe you're not, I hope you are, but these two verses point out uh, Moses and his great mistake. It tells about how that, that in those days when Moses was grown, that verse 11 says that he looked on the burdens of his brethren. That, that means more than just, just looking at it and, and seeing it. Whenever he looked at, at the burdens that were there, he, he, was, he was looking at it and he was seeing with a sense of emotion. There was something about it that, that he said that, that I feel for my brothers that are in this particular place where they're at. And obviously for uh, God's plan and purpose, Moses did not have to endure the, the, the hardships that his brothers and his sisters there had uh, to endure. But, but he, he, he had a sense where that, that there was a, a part where that he felt personally involved with them. And, and, uh, and, and Moses is writing this. He, he as the Spirit of the Lord impresses on him. He, he talks about looking on their burdens and there was a deep feeling for the misery that, that these people were involved in. And, and so that he looks out here and he sees this Egyptian and, and this Egyptian is, is taking advantage of some of these Hebrew slaves. And, and so it is that, that all of a sudden that the Bible tells us that, that Moses rose up and yet there's a point where that Moses is writing a story and, and he tells us. He said he looks all around him. He looks to and fro. He's like, is somebody going to see me uh, doing this particular thing? And, and uh, so the Bible uh, says that that in the in the midst of all of that, what he didn't realize was was what he was about to do was going to help him even further make the choice. He was going to choose to suffer with those people that God had because he he realized that that again it was it was just the pleasures that would only last for a season. That's what the enemy wants us to buy into here in our lives today. He wants us to get so caught up into the ideas of narcissism and hedonism and, and materialism. And, and Moses will have to realize that, that he's got to turn away from those things that appeals to uh, the flesh there. And the Bible tells us that, that Moses looked and he decided and made a determination of the fact that that uh, there he was, that that he was going to end up making a mistake that was going to push him in the direction of his life. And and uh, so so the Bible tells us Moses never went to trial, he never went to jail, he never was caught 
Uh, but instead, the Bible tells us that instead of him going to prison, the Bible says that, that he sent him to a wilderness. Now, what Moses didn't know is that, is that for the next 40 years of his life that he would be there in that particular place. And I dare say that there are probably people that are here this morning in this sanctuary that there's times where that, that mistakes have been made. There have been things that, that you, you have allowed yourself to fall into a particular trap or uh, into a particular mindset or in a, a place where that it veered you away from from God's true and real purpose because I'm just going to tell you this the children of, e of Israel were they were going to be brought out of Egypt no matter what and yet the Bible tells us that Moses was the key figure and God could have moved those children of Israel out of that place of captivity either with or without Moses but here it is that God says I'm going to settle him down into a wilderness. I'm going to settle him down into a schoolhouse. I'm going to take him in a place of, of spiritual isolation. And this is a, a place where that uh, is a whole other sermon in itself. But know this, church. If God is going to use you and God is going to use me, then what he's got to do is he's got to isolate us and pull us away from places that serves as a trap. You see that happening with, with Paul. The Bible tells us three years in the Arabian Bible College where that, I'm going to just tell you, who knows what that event was like. And, and yet he was there in that Arabian desert, that Arabian wilderness, if you want to call it that. And the Bible says that in that wilderness isolation, there were things that God was building into the life and the spirit there of that great apostle, that great missionary and uh, uh, just an, as an aside Brother Patterson and I were on the way up to uh, the men's conference and we got to discussing <coughs> some of the Bible study that I had taught this past Wednesday night and I, we were talking about where that Agabus had talked about how that uh, that the man that has these this belt around his hands that that he's it's not going to turn out good and and I, I told Brother Patterson I said knowing myself uh, I, I I dare say that that if if, if Brother Patterson had been Agabus and I would have been Paul or. Uh, if my dad would have been there or, or Brother Davidson or men that I look to in my life that are elders, there are others that I have outside and those I, I know myself well enough that if they were to tell me I don't feel good about this particular decision in your life, I know what I would have done. I would have said, you know what, I'm not going to do this particular thing. I'm going to listen. That's an aside. We'll move on. And so it was that this mistake moved Moses into this particular wilderness. But look there in verse 13 of Exodus 2. The Bible says, And when he went out the second day, behold, two men of the Hebrews, they strove together. And, and he said to him that did the wrong, Wherefore smitest thou thy fellow? And he said, Who made you a prince and a judge over us? You intend to kill me just like you killed that Egyptian. And the Bible says that, that Moses 
fear and said, surely this thing has been known. Surely if he knows about this thing, then there's others that know about it as well. And so for the second part, the great mistake, this one is the great accusation. The, the, the mistake that Moses made there uh, was motivated by, I have no doubt that he was talking about, was anger. And that there was something in his spirit that motivated him toward uh, that place of, of anger that that was there. And I, I suppose that, that all of us at, at various times in our lives, we, we periodically can fall into the trap of thinking that I can take care of this particular thing in, in my own strength. And, and so it was that the Bible tells us that, that he landed in that wilderness because of, of the actions. But again, he ends up there because of God's purpose in God's plan, but now he's being moved there because of, of his brothers. And so it is that I kind of let my imagination run with the story. I thought, okay, what is it that, that these men saw maybe just a short time? We don't know really the, uh, the next day that what all went on during that particular time leading up to it. I'm sure there probably were some of those Israelites that they were talking about, man, did you see what Moses did for us? Did you see, man, he's a powerful guy. He has our best interest at heart. Maybe he's going to be able to talk to Pharaoh in our behalf. I'm certain that as that spread uh, through Goshen there, the gossip in Goshen, boy, that's a good thought. And it spreads through and talks about how that Moses is the man. Moses is the guy. But the next day when it turns around that, that Moses speaks his part here. Now all of a sudden those guys, they, they turn on him. And here's what had happened. Israel had been in captivity so long that they had forgotten what it was like. To be free. That, that's what the enemy tries to do in every single one of our lives. He wants you to get so locked down in the bondage and a mindset of slavery where that, that he controls your worship. He controls your prayer. He controls the diet and the word of God that is taken in to your life. Because if he can get you in the mindset of being a slave, and there's so many things that he can lock out in your, your, your life. And, and there are times where that, that people get into a place of slavery for so long that they can become so stubborn and hardened in their minds that when a voice of reason begins to speak to them, what do they do? They do like these two brothers did here and... And one of them accused him. He said, I'm going to tell you something. Don't, do you, you think you're a prince and a judge over us? And, and then he drops a weight of lead on him and he begins to, to tell him. He says, by, by the way, are you going to kill me like you did that Egyptian Are you going to do the same thing to me that you did to that particular 
that that Egyptian that's quite an accusation that that he brings up he he should have received Moses as an angel of the Lord as a deliverer but the Bible says that that's not uh, what took place instead Moses has to be taunted and demeaned by this man that has such low understanding and has no real concept of what God is trying to do there in their life so he would rumble around for another 40 years in the place. I don't know if that the deliverance could have taken place earlier if, if Moses could have at that moment started moving in the direction but he was accused by his own blood kin and the Bible tells us that it was at that point that that accusation sent him out into the wilderness and so he begins to run and flee from that particular place. I dare say again that there are people here in this sanctuary here this morning that have had to contend with the scorn and the rejection and, and the revulsion sometimes of, of people that are around them and it can be so demeaning and alarming to them. And what they do is they move into the wilderness. But, but again, little didn't. Did Moses know that the training was already taking place? He had been trained in the school of Pharaoh. He had been taught there in the schools of, of the Egyptians. But now what is God going to do? God is saying to, to Moses, Moses, here, here's what I'm going to do with you. I'm going to move you into a wilderness. And oh dear God, if you've been in the church for any length of time, you start looking back and rehearsing and thinking about wilderness areas that you have come through in your life. They were not fun. They, they were not something that you would have chosen. But oh dear God, what got built in to your heart and into your spirit while that you were in the wilderness. And I think some of that comes, uh, all of us, as you age, you start looking back in your life at crooks and turns and crossroads and sometimes even interstate highways that you have traveled along and God starts bringing insight to your spirit and he says you know what at this particular place I put that into your life but while you were living it out you had no idea what God was developing and putting into your heart and into your spirit Oh, I'm going to tell you what, every single one of you here today, if you're honest with yourselves, you can realize that the sovereignty of God has moved you to this particular place. I think that, that all of us, and I've got a drop card I bought, and if you don't hear, the preaching was tremendous. I was so encouraged, and, and uh, just, but Brother Jones opened up, uh, Friday night and uh, opened up some personal tragedies that, that he has to, had to walk through here even within the last 18 months or so and it gives you some insight to realize that nobody is immune. Brother Jones is our formal former general secretary followed Brother C.M. Beckton and yet uh, there at his early 70s that, that again the Lord visits him with a wilderness that, that you would think like Lord why, why do you in, in, he's, he's in, he and his wife are, are in their 70s why is it that now that they're having to endure this wilderness but what we have to realize is that God has places and times and seasons that he moves us in 
to our lives. And sometimes God uses job situations. Sometimes he uses closed doors. Sometimes he uses open doors. But here's the part when Moses, the Bible, tells us that, that his, his place of, of education was about to start and he was moving into the plan and the purpose of God. And, and that's where, again, we have to realize, and this comes through praying and being submitted to God, is that, Lord, I know that you've got the best work out in my mind, but right now the pressure and the challenge that I'm trying to deal with and work with, Lord, I know that you know what you're doing, but God, my faith is weak, and I don't have insight, and I don't have revelation, and I don't know about tomorrow or next week, but I do know this. Thank you, Brother Wells. Uh, we were eating lunch the other day, and I'm convinced of this. I'll get into this whenever I get to teaching more on the gifts of the Spirit. Brother Wells talking to us uh, at lunch, and we were there for probably, I don't know, pushing two hours, and uh, things that Brother Wells was saying to us. I don't know if he knew it or not, but I sat there and I thought, you know what? The gifts of the Spirit are in operation right here at Bob Sykes Barbecue, and there's not a lot of fanfares, no choir singing, no, no worship service going on, but what God is doing is God is using His gifts, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, insight, that He's using this brother help and to guide direction. This is what one of the things that Brother Wells said. He was talking about his life and just responsibility. He said, you got to live your life by faith and obedience. And that's where Moses is at. What does Moses do? He can't figure out what's going to happen tomorrow and next week. This flight to the wilderness and he goes there but he can't get his hands or his reason to figure out why he's there in that particular place. And so, just to ask you this morning, what, what are you doing here in this service at this time in your life? God's guiding and directing and moving. He knows what he's doing. And so why, why, why the wilderness now? Why, Lord, why... Why this mistake? Why, why couldn't I just have taken care and not, not kill that guy? That's a bad. Any of y'all killed anybody? You ought to feel pretty good about that. I want to ask you, have you felt like killing anybody? Because, But you ought to just thank God. It's like, well, I'm not in the case that Moses was at, but Moses probably is my Lord. Why? Did I kill this guy? Why Why the accusations and yet the mistake and the accusation now is going to push something even more so? And here's the third thing that we find is in verse 15. The Bible says there now when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses. He knew who Moses was. The Bible tells him he's there in, in the courts. This is, this is probably, you want to call it, as a, nearly a grandson. His daughter had taken Moses into the courts, taken him in as a, as a toddler. He, he loves this kid. He, he watches this kid grow up, and, and uh, 
he, he, I mean, there, there's just that connection that he has. And now, at 40 years old, when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses. And so what does Moses do? But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian. And the Bible says that he sat down by a well. And when he sat down at that well, another decision is going to be made. And I won't get into that here, but another decision made at the well that is going to shape his life and move him even further into the purpose and the plan of God. And so now it is that Pharaoh is looking to put a price on his head and to kill him uh, for, for his, his actions. He, he would have been to that place where that this attack from, from Moses, that, that he, he, he attacks him. He, he's like, is this guy now going to try to mobilize these Israelites? And if he is, I'm going I'm to deal with him and I'm going to take care of him. And again, we're, we're reading the story backwards. We're reading from retrospect. We already know what's going to take place. But, but Moses is living his life out in real time. He don't know that for 40 years that he's going to be required to stay there in that wilderness until that Pharaoh dies. He, he doesn't know that, that 40 years from now they're going to be walking around in those same canyons, in that same place, in the wilderness. And while Moses is in his schoolhouse, God's going to say, hey, hey, bud, I need you to watch a bunch of sheep. Now think about this. All right, really, think about this. You got a guy that's graduated from Harvard. You got a guy that's graduated from Yale or from Princeton. Those big Ivy League schools. And he graduates. He, I'm telling you, it's impressive where that he's graduated from. I, I don't know <coughs> what his skills were. Got a pretty good idea. But it's like, the Lord's like, nah, I don't want you being a, an attorney. I don't want you to be, y'all know me, I'm for education. You ought to get as much as you can and then get over it. Um, that's a good thing. I believe we ought to develop our minds and spirits. But now this this graduate of the greatest school on the face of the earth is now the Lord's like, hey, look. You can't use your education. I want you to go watch a bunch of sheep. But 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 Lord, I you know you know if if I could just be in this place and if you would just put me with that particular person or if you could just arrange it where I would be somewhere else besides a wilderness with a bunch of sheep. And so sometimes God uses job opportunities. Sometimes God uses family situations. Sometimes God uses mistakes. Sometimes God uses relationships that, that we're like, Lord, I, I, I just wish I was somewhere else. But every man and woman here today must go to a wilderness at some point in their lives. You've got to go. You, you're not going to get around it. 
You're not going to get under it. You're not going to be able to go over it. What is God going to do? He's going to put you in a wilderness. And, uh, and so it is that there's Moses. But what does he get in the wilderness? A burning bush experience. A staff that's going to turn into a serpent when it's needed. A staff that becomes a rod of deliverance when it's needed. A direction that Moses will gain whenever he receives the law. You see, every wilderness that you go to. And then he's, he's going to get a wife and children there. And he's going to get a father-in-law that's going to provide direction to him later on in his life. And so I'm just going to leave you with three short principles. And uh, they're this. Is that number one, the, the obscurity of the wilderness is in the plan of God. It is. That isolation is in the plan of God. That's, that's, that's the first thing. Because if you're going to be used of God, there's going to be places that involve solitude and discomfort. The second thing that I would bring to you in this is that the wilderness brings maturity that ripens us. Because there are some things that only time can bring to your life. And then the third thing is this, and this perhaps maybe even be the most important part, there are no shortcuts for spiritual leaders. You may have heard what chat heard about chat GBT. You may have heard that buzzword here in the in the last two months, six months or so. Chat GPT or GBT, whichever one it is, is a part of artificial intelligence. And you can type in things on the internet and it writes term papers. It promotes skills. It does all this sort of thing. But but what is that going to do? It bypasses the learning experience. I don't want a surgeon cutting on my heart that is read on the internet from chat GB, whatever it is, about how to graft a coronary artery bypass graft. Oh, yeah, yeah, I read about this last night, and we're going to whack your chest open today, and we're going to put this. Well, you hadn't gone to medical school? You have, How many procedures have you done? Oh, no, I read. And what's going to happen is the artificial intelligence is going to shortchange, and it's going to be disastrous because there are some things that you can't shortcut and when God starts guiding you through and leading you through particular places and things, um, there's no shortcuts for the wilderness. I want us to stand here this morning. And uh, you see what I mean when I said it was maybe a slow-moving sermon. But I got a feeling that there were people here this morning that as you heard the word of the Lord and as we just kind of walked through this small snapshot in the life of Moses, that what we realized is this, 
is that all of us, to a certain degree, we find ourselves in the place where, where that Moses was at and what Moses was doing and realize that the benefits and the blessings that come from the wilderness that every single one of us have to go through, there's a grand purpose for it. And so if you're here this morning and you feel like, Lord, I'm so isolated and I'm so removed from what I feel like is your plan and purpose of God, then perhaps it very well could be that God's got you in a, a wilderness. He's got you in a place of isolation. He's got you in a place of withdrawal. Why is that? It's because there's a greater purpose beyond this morning, next week, next year. Lord, I am thankful for your word. Lord, it's this, God, is that when you tell us the biographies of, Lord, men and women, in your word God, God you don't you don't you don't whitewash it you don't make it look better than what it is you help us Lord to see God that these men and women that whatever they did to advance your kingdom that you walk them through and you help them and I pray Lord today God, that if there are people that are here in, Lord, this house, and God, that they're questioning the purpose and the plan of God for, Lord, their lives. Help them, Lord, to look and see Moses and know, God, that you've got everything worked out. You see the end. Lord, we only see the beginning. But Lord, you're looking back. I pray, Lord, today, let every one of us, God, put our trust and confidence in you, knowing that you've got everything taken care of and worked out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. These altars are open. If you'd like to come up and pray before you walk out of this sanctuary here this morning, I just believe that that God can hear our prayers. He, he can reason with you whenever you begin to speak and talk to the Lord. Amen.